Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the show. We are Zenobia Bailey and Naja E. Brown broadcasting today for Hope for Today. And our special guest is Major, retired Major, Deidre Burton. Deidre happens Hello. to live in. Hi, hi, and welcome to the show. I was just Hello. going to say that although uh, Naja and I are in the Pacific Northwest out of the Seattle, Washington area, as many of you already know. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, our guest is from Indianapolis, and we are so glad to have you here, Deidre. She's also a licensed marriage and family therapist um, uh, associate, and she runs her own uh, counseling and ministry, and we are having her today to talk about easing the grips of addiction. So, Thank you. Deidre, would you go on and just um, just tell us from your experience and from your uh, vantage point what is happening in our nation today in terms of a resurge in some of the uh, previous addictions that we as a nation thought we had had a gotten some sort of a grip on. Yes. Well, first of all, let me start out by saying good afternoon to your, to your audience. And thank you so much for having me again. I just count it a blessing and an honor to, to be part of your show and to be part of your ministry to bless and empower others with information. So to answer oh, yeah. your question, I'm going to jump right in. And my information is coming from the National Institute on Abuse. <clears throat> and what I found is that uh, in the U.S., um, hold on, let me back up. And let me, let, me, let me give a definition of what we're talking about today. We're talking about drug addiction. And drug addiction is defined as a chronic disease characterized by compulsive or uncontrollable, I think that's the key word there, uncontrollable drug-seeking, in addition to seeking, also use despite or regardless of the harmful consequences and changes that can occur in the brain, and not only just the brain, but also in behavior, uh, in connection to drug abuse. And these changes <clears throat> can be long-lasting. Now, back to your question, with that in mind, back to your question, um, what we're seeing globally, and again, this is according to the National Institute of Drug Abuse, is about 22.5 million people, and that's about 8.5% of the U.S. population. And here's the kicker. Uh, starting around age 12 and older, they need treatment because of uh, drug abuse associated with illicit drugs or alcohol, um, and even sometimes prescription medication. And this was as of 2014. Okay. And it says, Ron, it says also that only 4.2 million received any substance use treatment in that same year. So what that means is that it's a lot of people who are struggling with this issue, but perhaps they're not seeking treatment. I see. <clears throat> I um, 
I just find it astounding. Uh, we are talking to some degree about the national situation. What's going on there in Indianapolis uh, in terms of um, addiction, addictions? And mm-hmm. even before we go there, uh, Deidre, um, I wanted to, you said something that I wanted to hone in on, and if you or Naja would like to address this area at all, please feel free to do so. But you talked about prescription drugs, and in my limited readings, uh, I that was something that was validated, um, while, that I thought and was validated that many times the addictions, uh, the illicit addictions come from, prescription uh, prescriptions that doctors have given to um, their patients. Mm-hmm. Yes, I can kind of address that a little bit. You know, pain is, is an elusive ailment. Um, it's a very real thing, and it's a very real uh, phenomenon that the medical world struggles with. How do we treat pain effectively? And in that journey of trying to figure that out, we haven't quite did it yet. We've, we've, we've had a lot of fallout, um, and I think the fallout is being seen in our people who um, get addicted to pain medicine. Mm-hmm. Now, with that said, in Indianapolis a couple of years ago, um, there was a, a, a lot of emphasis put on certain doctors prescribing too many pain medicines and how easy it was for people to get pain medication. So uh, there now there's laws in, in place to kind of limit that, but <clears throat> with that came almost an underground way of, of still getting that relief through another means, and that's kind of what brings us around to that heroin uh, uh, issue that we were speaking of the other day. So now pain, I think you can get like maybe enough pain medication here in Indianapolis anyway for like 30 days, and once the pain medication is gone, you have to wait until the next 30 days to get a refill because they're, they're just really scrutinizing that and really keeping a tight uh record on who's getting the pain medication and how soon they're running out, how soon they're coming back to get it, and so forth. Yes, okay. I think that probably doing that kind of nation, nationally as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm going to jump in just a minute. Um, I have worked in human resources in the healthcare industry and uh, saw a lot of injuries and uh, issues that uh, cause uh many people uh, rns uh you name it uh end up having to resort to diverting uh narcotics because they had basically exhausted all efforts uh to be able to get their prescription renewed or refilled or whatever and i also remember a profound statement being made to me. I was doing some ministry work at a transitional house, and a lot of the women who were residents of this transitional house had checkered pasts, and uh, many of them had been in addictions and so on and so forth. And I'll never forget, they said to me, they said, Miss Naja, we go to our AA meetings and our Cocaine Anonymous meetings. She said, it's not the street druggies anymore, it's the professionals that you work with. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget mm-hmm. that. That was about 20 years ago. And then throughout, uh, you know, time, I was able to deal firsthand, being a human resources professional, with trying to get whomever was diverting drugs because they had developed some sort of habit uh, yes. to get the help that they need. 
And um, when they can't get what they need, then we found out from the DEA that they do resort to heroin. So I'm going to turn it back over to you, Deidre. Yes. And let me throw one more story in there <laughs> that supports what we're speaking of. I, I also work with senior citizens, and I hear this, I want to say on a regular, not on a regular basis, but quite frequently, about my seniors who sell their pain medication to each other or they share their pain medication with each other. Uh-huh. So, so there's, there's a whole another dynamic right there. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh. yeah. And the self-medicating. Self-medicating and medicating each other. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And if you can sell it, you know, you think about our seniors on a limited income. Absolutely. Uh, by the time they pay for medicine and milk, that's it. And again, if Absolutely. those pain med- medications run out be- before the 30 days is up, and you know, maybe you can buy one from somebody. Uh, you know, so again, that's the whole dynamic right there that um, has yet to be addressed. I never even thought of that, but that's very real, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. 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 Okay, you were going to speak about Indy now? You were going to say something about Indianapolis? Yeah. Um, okay, so in Indianapolis, um, in my research, what I'm seeing is, again, we see the resurgence of the heroin. And it, apparently in the 1960s it was popular and kind of died down. But now um, it has uh, resurged in popularity. And it tends to be real popular among Indianapolis, among uh, white males in their 20s. However, we do see it in youth and also in um, adults in their 30s. Now, according to the information that I have, it really has no no uh, respect of, of gender or race or socioeconomic status. But here's the here's the thing I found, found was interesting was uh, we were talking about um, um, uh, cost to our community. So since we have the tight reins on the pain medications now and, and, you know, doctors are being monitored and so forth, you can get heroin on the street six for six to $10. You can buy Whoa. some heroin on the street for six to $10. Now, I thought when I go into CVS or Walgreens or Walmart, I'm paying more than that for a box of Advil, cold, and sinus Yes. than yes. someone who can go on the street in Indianapolis and get heroin for between 6 and $10. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Also, there's inter- yeah, yeah. Well, so, okay, before I ask you my next question, what? Uh, let's hear what you have to share with our audience regarding the Seattle area. Forget about what I said necessarily, but um, what – what did you get there? What What were your findings uh, regarding Seattle? Uh, for, well, for Seattle, I would probably be safe to revert back to our, our the um, information I gave you for the U.S. in general. Again, mm-hmm. um, I'm sure Seattle would fit into that 22.5 million uh, people in the U.S. population, and, and Again, I'm, I'm assuming that the age range would probably be about the same. I think the thing that was really interesting to me was uh, the young age, uh, 12. I mean, that's not even a teenager. That's I guess that's considered a preteen um, that we find that our, our uh, people are starting to do the illicit drugs and the alcohol. And the scary thing too was the uh, prescription medications too. So I would I would you know have to make the assumptions that that's probably the same from coast to coast. 
It is. I do have this one little, I mean, it's only one story, uh, but Mm -hmm. um, I would like to share this story that I found that our KCTS 9, uh, Channel 9, did uh, earlier this year in February. And uh, they were giving this um, as a, just a sampling of the fact that it seems to be going more towards middle class Caucasian women, the addiction to Mm -hmm. heroin. Uh, here in our area seems to be with them. However, this story is about a young lady who, yes, was a middle-class woman, who, and she developed a heroin addiction. It says after being prescribed pain-killing drugs, she lost her home and even became a dealer in order to score. And uh, she was just 20 years old, when she became homeless for much of her seven-year heroin habit. So that demographic, wow. uh, uh, in terms of her age, is meshing right along with some of the things that you've said about not only Indianapolis but the nation. Um, yes. And yes. this story is leaving us, you know, Grappling for answers, just like everyone is grappling for answers. I know we're not here to solve the problem today, but to give hope, um, hopefully uh, here in just a little bit, by the only one who brings hope. Um, Yeah. But let's continue. You know, there's two points I would like to make on what you just said, um, Zenobia. Number one, that shows how, and not just heroin, but, but any anything that we can use in place of the true and the living God, and we make it the God with the small g, it shows how it can take on a life. And that particular situation that you just spoke about, and this is my assumption, heroin, heroin, took, on a, heroin took on a life for this lady, and it became her friend, her lover, her confidant, it became everything that she needed, so much so that she was willing to do what she had to do to maintain that relationship. That's one thing that I see in that story. That's a very good, um, let's pause there for a moment, because that's a very good scenario that you painted. Um, Naja, I want you to jump in here. Uh, Do do you agree? (laughs) I'm not trying to make you agree, (laughs) Naja, but do you agree that this is a, a great scenario? You are one who... Um, can really paint a picture as well, and I don't know if you if you feel inclined to just take a hold of what she's just said and 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 extend it for our our listeners. Well, I do I do agree, and uh, and and yes, the I I would say I would go one step further and say or or add to what uh, Deidre's already said, and that is there has to be some sort of void that is being filled. And we don't have to go down the road of trying to figure out what type of void and what's the reason behind the void. But if someone is living a life without Christ, then there's many things that they're going to attempt to fill that void with. And we happen to be uh, featuring the topic of drug addiction today. Uh, I do want to say also that there are many other addictions that we're not going to touch on, but you've got sexual addictions, you've got food addictions, you've got... Uh, nicotine addiction, you've got gambling addiction, yeah. and it it goes along with what you're saying. That it becomes the the God in their life, the little with the little G, and 
so uh, and and you know it 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 can be looked at as a sickness, a disease. Um, it but something is missing. Something is missing, yeah. and that that then becomes um, what whoever is choosing to 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 try to fill that void with with drugs and alcohol and all the other addictions that are out there. Uh, it just speaks to what is is possibly missing. Uh, or ultimately missing in their lives. Yeah, yeah I agree. I agree. I, I want to add just the a few more out. statistics. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I had an opportunity to attend a uh, luncheon or a breakfast actually last year. It was called Knowledge is Power, and it was put on by the Science mm-hmm. and Management of Addiction. And the keynote speaker was a DEA special agent. And inside of the brochure, there was an insert, and I just want to rattle off these these uh, percentages right quickly. Four percent of tenth graders and seven percent of twelfth graders have used illegal drugs in the past thirty days. Eight percent of tenth graders and nine percent of twelfth graders have used a prescription drug that was not prescribed to them in the past thirty days. And those facts are from the Washington Healthy Youth Survey of 2014. With that, ladies, I'm going to say let's take a 15-second break, and we'll be right back. Okay. Okay. All right. So we'll just turn it right back on over to Deidre. Yes. Okay. All right. All right. So the second point I wanted to make about that story um, that Zenobia gave us, and it kind of follows along with uh, to what you just said as well, is the cost of the relationships, the cost of substance abuse. Now, again, this is information come from the National Institute on Drug Abuse, but according to my uh, the research that I've done, abuse of tobacco, alcohol, and illicit 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 drugs is cost. And the exacting cost, and it may be even more now, is $700 billion annually. And costs related to crime, loss of work productivity, health care, and their math on their relationships. Mm. Seven. Wow. I just can't even imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Well, where do we go next here with 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 this? Um, let's say that I I come to you. Let's. I just want to throw this out, uh, particularly in your um, your counseling uh, hat. And I I bump into you on the street, and I have my maybe I have my hat out, my pan out, and I'm asking you for money to help me and you notice that things are not as they I'm not in a good place okay and um and it's obvious that I'm using drugs um you may or may not know that I'm using a combination of let's say cocaine and heroin how might you respond to me you don't know me you've never seen me yeah. before but how might you respond to me as both Either or, or a combination of just being an individual and or being a counselor. 
that's, that's an in-depth question. And um, I guess from the counselor perspective, first and foremost, I would, I think I would ask or I would try to figure out where you are in your addiction. Are you at a place where you um, are ready to make some changes? Are you even interested in making some changes? Because I, I think if if the desire is there to, where one sees that I'm helpless, this is beyond control, beyond my control, and I'm I'm just ready to make a change, then I think that's when we when we have to strike. While the iron is hot, we have to strike then. So with that in mind. It's a little hard to do counseling when the addiction is, is active. So I would encourage the person to, and I would walk with them throughout this process to get medical attention, whether that's the inpatient detox program or whether it's an outpatient detox program. I mean, there's a lot of other factors that would, you know, that come into play when it comes to that decision. But I think that would be one thing uh, that I would uh try to encourage the person. Then, I mean, meeting those basic needs, too. Do you have housing? Do you have food? Are you safe? I think I would try to investigate those options to meet okay. those, those physical needs as well. Okay. Now, ideally, if, if all of those things are in place and the person uh, was in, you know, in a place where they were ready for healing and ready for deliverance and they're in a detox program and they're working their plan, then counseling could come alongside and uh, address the behavioral piece of that and the supportive piece of that, um, not just individual uh, counseling because, you know, the drugs affect that person, but that person is a part of a system uh, called a family or maybe there's a spouse involved or maybe there's children involved. And, you know, sometimes those relationships have been damaged and they may or may not be repaired, but if there is a system or a community around that person that can help this person be accountable and and um, support them in their new way of living and thinking, then by all means, you know, that those resources need to be brought in as well. Sometimes medication is required, and um, what you have to be careful with that is that the addiction doesn't transfer from an illicit drug or whatever the situation may have been, and that medication that the person takes um, becomes their addiction. So uh, a medical doctor, you know, definitely has to be part of the team to, to monitor that as well, and there are, you know, programs to make sure that that doesn't happen. There's other medical tests that need to be done as well, you know, just for the general health of the person too. So that's probably um, some of the things that I would do. And then, uh, you know, once those physical needs are met and the person is in the right program that they need to be that they need to be in, um, then I, I would I would address the, the the spiritual. What's what's your walk? What's your faith walk here? Um, and if the opportunity presents itself, I would introduce them to Christ. Um, if it okay, what do you mean by person, that? Mm-hmm. What do you mm-hmm. mean by that? Well, the three of us know what you mean by that, but mm-hmm. that's, um, let's peel that onion back for the listener. You know, I'm just mm-hmm. sick of this now. Not, okay, let's fast yeah. forward and, and mm-hmm. take into account all you've said. We're going to fast forward, and I meet you on the street uh, six months down the road, and um, I'm looking even worse than I did before. But you don't even necessarily recognize me, but I recognize you, and I remember your name, and I say, Miss Deidre, 
I'm so glad I ran into you. I am sick of this. I am tired of this. I want out. Can you help me? Peel yeah. back that onion. Well, again, I, you know, I, I want to know what's, what's been happening. You know, what what have you been doing? What are you doing now? Are you still in your detox program? Um, are you in a, a community group, an AA group, or NA group, or OA group, again, whatever the situation um and this is my response. This is my response. I don't mean to cut you off, but I want you to get this in. I I am. I've done I, I know I've not stayed I know I haven't told the line, but I remember you telling me about somebody called Jesus. Mm-hmm. And and uh back when we talked the last time. And I want to know more about him because if he is all you say I, I I'm ready. I'm ready. Tell me what I need to do. Okay. So then, if that's the situation, then I, I would I would just I would just take them to Romans ten and nine. <laughs> so at this point, what we can talk about is 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 do you believe that Jesus Christ is who Jesus Christ says Jesus is that He is the Son of God? And do you believe that? And if you do believe that, then let me hear or not necessarily let me hear you, but then confess that and believe that in your heart that Jesus loves you and you shall be saved. Now, that doesn't mean that your addiction is going to go away. It doesn't mean that life is going to be a bed of roses for you. But that means that when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and the one who has loved you from the beginning and who even loves you even right now and who will continue to love you, and he comes into your heart, then you have a comforter and you have a friend who is going to walk with you through this time of your life, and that friend is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to be there to lead and guide your mind to all truth. So you are you not alone. Jesus, you mean Jesus loves me in this wretched way that I am, stinking? In this and, wretched way that you and are, I, stinking, thinking, every low-down, dirty thing that you have ever did and that you're thinking about doing right now. He loves you. Wow. Well, can, can, you just help, can you just help me then? Can you just help me to do what I need? Because I want that Jesus. I want that Jesus. Yeah. I want to put him to the test. I remembered you saying that. He he wants us to test him. He tells us to call on him in terms of, of the promises that he made. I want to know about his promises, Miss Deidre. I just want to get out of this mess. And I want. Yeah. I know I can't do it by myself. Yes, yes. So let's call on his name right now. Let's pray and let's ask, let's repent. Let's ask Jesus for forgiveness of our sins. And when we sincerely ask Jesus to do that, that it is done. You are among the forgiven. You are in the beloved uh, community of Jesus Christ because you have taken your faith out of the world, out of man, even out of yourself, and you have put it into the one who can do it. You have put it into Jesus Christ. So again, Jesus is with you now. Jesus loves you, and Jesus has the power to love you through this addiction. Jesus has the power to fill the gap. Jesus has the power to be everything that you need in your life, and Jesus has the power to surround you with people who will love you just the same, who will love you just the same. So now, my brother and sister, let's get up from here, and let's walk in the newness of life. So let's let's go get what you need. Let's go get what you need. Okay. Thank you, Deidre. Um, I want to go ahead and pray the prayer of forgiveness just in case someone is listening who doesn't know what to do 
or maybe not just pray, because it's not a specific prayer, and you really covered it, Deidre, but I'm going to ask Naja to take it now and tell the listener, the special listener, whether it's that person or someone you know, Naja, tell them what they, form it for them, if you would. You mean the actual prayer? No, just tell them what it, what, in general terms. I know Deidre did it, but I want you to wind it up again. And just in general terms, what they need to do, not the actual prayer. Basically, uh, just uh, believe uh, in their heart and confess with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he is true God and true man and that he died mm-hmm. for their sins, died for their sins, died on the cross, shedded blood, and that they are redeemed. And um, from that point on, uh, they they are amongst the believers. They become a part of the body of Christ. They belong to him, and they can put their trust and faith in him, surrender their life to him, and, and, and have assurance of their salvation. And th- I would say that that's, <laughs> that's it. Well, and yes, then and I that's would what plug Deirdre into, said. It's just- Plug into it's someone that they could said. be accountable. Go ahead. No, no, I was just saying this. What Deidre said, I just wanted to say in a different way as well. Just think, you know, everybody has a different learning style and receives things differently. But you both said the same thing because it is the same thing. And then yes. when Deidre said about what she said about now let's go get you the help that you need. Uh, Deidre, do you have some phone numbers to give? And then I know we have a phone number too um, or an email. But do you have a phone number in case someone wants to contact you? Yes, they can call me at area code three one seven five two zero one one five three. Again, that's three one seven five two zero one one five three. And uh, that's if they live in Indianapolis or not, um, because I can help them to get connected again to resources there in their city or here in Indianapolis uh, to help them. They're ready, ready to walk in healing and ready to for change and ready for deliverance, and that's, that's what I'm here for. Okay. And, uh, Naja, you want to give them our information for Hope for uh, Today? Yield to the King Ministry at www.yieldtothekingministry.org, and you can uh, send us an email. And also I'd like to give the Addiction Helpline here for the state of Washington. That's one eight seven seven four two one. 3038. And with that, ladies, we are out of time. Wow. It has really been a blessing. Uh, Deidre, thank you so much. And um, as our program says, uh, there is hope. Hope in Jesus Christ, who is the hope for today. Thank you. Thank you, and amen. 